Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. And as we move into the second week of this sermon series, where we delve into the power and presence of God through the Holy Spirit, uh, it's an appropriate moment to talk to you about something that is a deeply spiritual issue uh, that often isn't taken that way. But just as a moment of personal privilege, and Will is doing this over in the other room as well, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because we have ended this year in a very strong financial position. And I bring this up because if you read my weekly email that I send to the church, to the whole church called In the Loop, back through the late summer and into the fall, there were a few times that I mentioned the fact that, that giving was lagging a bit from what it had been in the past. And of course, we base our budget on trends and we have different uh, bases for, for doing that, for, for how we figure out how much we can spend. Um, and I just wanted to make you aware of it. It was never in, an, never in an effort to make anybody feel guilty or feel bad. It's just that when I sat uh, down at that desk for the first time in the senior pastor's office, I said, we're going to celebrate together and we're going to struggle together and we're going to go with maximum disclosure and minimum delay as we think about all aspects of our church. And so I wanted to make sure everybody knew if we were having an issue that you knew about it. And you've responded, and, and so what I want to tell you is we have ended the year in black ink. Uh, we're ahead of the curve a little bit with our, with our financial situation, and it's because of your faithfulness. As the song says, it's really God's great faithfulness, but you have given back to him because of his great faithfulness to you, and we are going to be able to start this year on a very, from a very strong financial position. Um, we, we received, and this is, this is really cool, we received in December the largest amount of money this church has ever received in one month. It was just phenomenal the way you went back and maybe looked at a pledge that you felt like had gotten behind, or maybe you weren't keeping up with, if you're not a pledger, your intention to give. Whatever it was, it was phenomenal. We had a $23,000 Christmas offering, Christmas Eve, which was more than just Christmas Eve, the Christmas offering, and, and that's incredible. And on top of all that, you gave an, a, not an insignificant amount of money to specific ministries and events that were going on in the church. It's been just incredible. So all I want to say to you is thank you. Because of what you have done, we are able to head into 2023 in a very strong position. I will mention that we're wrapping up that our, our uh, more than enough stewardship campaign that we started back in the fall. And we said we had a goal of 300 pledges and 1.7 million. And we are 
We are that close. We're actually at 275 pledges. And we understand that people don't pledge like they used to. And that's okay. It's just a, it's just a cultural thing. The giving is there. Uh, but we, we'd love to see 300 pledges. We're, we're 275. But the better news is we're at like 1.668 million, which is just that close to 1.7. And I know we're going to get there. So if you haven't had a chance to do that and you want to go to the website and click on uh, the give button. You can do that if you'd like to make a pledge, um, but you don't have to. I just want to throw that out there that you still can't. But this is all really good news, and we, we just are deeply appreciative on behalf of the pastors and our staff of your incredible commitment to God and what you give to him that he gives back to us for ministry. So, so thank you very much. What your giving does is allow us to go out into the community and make a difference in the name of Christ. Um, you know, one of our signature events is going on this weekend, and that is the Mission Blitz, which actually started Friday. And by the way, if Franklin D. Roosevelt had been the uh, chair of our missions team or had been our missions director, we would not have started the Mission Blitz on Friday. We would have started it on Saturday because Franklin Roosevelt never went into any big project or never started any big travel on Friday the 13th. He was that superstitious. And I bring that up because, because it's going to make a point in a minute that there are a lot of people that are, that are right there with him. And in fact, if you are afraid of Friday the 13th, um, that means that you have Parasceva de Catatrophobia. And you can write that down in your book, and I'll spell it for you later if you would like. Uh, but that is a fear. That's a, a, a fear of Friday the 13th. And it stems from Truscaidacophobia, which is a fear of the number 13, which precedes our Friday the 13th fear. And it's a very real thing. Researchers think it goes back to 700 BC when there was a farmer's almanac that warned farmers not to plant on the 13th of the month. Go figure that. But it goes that far back. But there, and that tradition has continued. How many of you have been in a building where there was no 13th floor? It was very common in construction to leave the 13th floor off because people thought it was an unlucky number. Um, there have been many people down through the years, uh, a, a conductor named Schoenberg that actually, that actually worried himself, some people could make the case, worried himself to death over the number 13. Any year of his age that was a multiple of 13, he would stay home on that birthday, including right up through 65, which, which scared him to death. But then at 76, when he turned 76, an astrologer told him, you need to be worried about this because seven plus six equals. And so on his 76th birthday, he stayed home in bed, depressed and scared and died 15 minutes before midnight on that day. I mean, and it goes on and on. And, and Friday the 13th actually came from a book, most likely, that was written by a guy named Thomas Lawson. It was called Friday the 13th. And he was a stockbroker. And this book was written, uh, it was fiction, but it was written about this person that could have been the original turn of the century wolf of Wall Street who, 
who chooses the de- that day, Friday the 13th, to deliberately crash the stock market. And that started in a fictional book. But not long after that, it caught on, this Friday the 13th deal, so much so that a year later, there was a senator in New York who, who had the audacity to, to enter, to submit 13 bills into the Senate on Friday the 13th. And that's what made the headline in the New York Times um, the next day that Senator Owen, uh, that Friday the 13th held no terrors for Senator Owen. And, and my point of all that is simply this. It's very powerful. The th- number, a lot of people have numbers that are either lucky or unlucky for them. But 13 is, has down through the ages become this unlucky number. And Friday the 13th has become this day where a lot of people, a lot of smart, clear-thinking people... Uh, won't do certain things on Friday. A lot of people won't travel, won't fly on Friday the 13th because of this wisdom that they have uh, appropriated over the years, which is really superstition because there's no, there is no statistical evidence that more bad things happen on Friday the 13th than any other day of the week. But for many people, it controls their life. And I want to now turn the page from that to make a larger statement, and that is whatever wisdom we operate out of, and there were many, many really smart, well-meaning people that operated out of this body of wisdom that said Friday the 13th is a bad day. Whatever wisdom we operate out of will control our life. And wisdom has many sources, and the source will determine our destination. What you know decides where you'll go. And sometimes that body of wisdom can limit us, like a fear of Friday the 13th or other things. It can limit us. Or wisdom can open the world to us, depending on which source of wisdom you're after. The Internet has certainly shown us that there are a lot of sources of quote-unquote wisdom out there. Uh, I, I, I have hearing loss and I deal with, I've talked about it before, tinnitus, ringing of the ears re- really badly. So I saw this pop-up ad, it keeps coming up and I don't know why that I keep getting it, but it's this pop-up ad that says that, that they have all the secrets to unlock the cure for tinnitus and it starts with lighting a candle and holding it by your ear. You know, I've, I've had a lot of treatment for that, and I'm pretty sure that's not one of them, but that's, but that's wisdom out there. And, and here's the worst part. They wouldn't pay for those pop-up ads if people weren't clicking on their website, which, of course, not only unlocks the wisdom of how to get rid of tinnitus, but it unlocks all your information for the people on the other end of that website, and they sell it, and it unlocks the opportunity for them to make a lot of money. So, you know, you want to get into politics and all that. There are all these people that have all this wisdom that they're just sure will change our life. But in many cases, the wisdom narrows the scope of our life instead of broadening, and we want to broaden it. And that takes us to our subject today as we continue our sermon series, Empowered by the Spirit, because the Spirit of God can unlock for us the wisdom of all creation if we will just stop and take a moment to take the Spirit of God seriously and listen. John Wesley, who uh, was the founder of the movement that now, uh, from the 18th century forward, uh, has become finally now the United Methodist Church and a lot of different versions of Methodism uh, that are uh, across the world. 
John Wesley, who was a very, very smart man, he held many patents, he was widely read and, and widely and highly educated, was a strong proponent of the power of the Holy Spirit to do that which we cannot do on our own. And, and in fact, let me, read, let me read this very quickly. I, I did some research on Wesley this week. I knew that, that he was, for his day, uh, very evangelistic and very much a believer in locking on to the power, locking into the power of the Holy Spirit and letting the Spirit direct us. He said this, he said, I believe the infinite and eternal spirit of God equal with the father and the son to be not only perfectly holy in himself, but the immediate cause of all holiness in us enlightening our under, listen to what he says. The spirit does for us enlightening our understanding, rectifying our wills and affections. In other words, helping us to live a better life, renewing our natures, uniting our persons to Christ, assuring us of our adoption by God, leading us in our actions, purifying and sanctifying our souls and bodies to a full and eternal enjoyment of God. Wesley was very much a believer in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says that what, the Holy Spirit is God's gracious, empowering presence restored through Christ. For him, it's that faith in Christ We call it being a Christian, being saved. Give it whatever name you want. Faith in Christ unlocks for us this power of the Holy Spirit and, in fact, allows the Holy Spirit to reside in us as standard equipment. I would give it a much simpler definition. The Holy Spirit is the interactive, real-time presence of God. You have the Father. You have the son. We just celebrated uh, his birth as a human being for the 30 or some, 30 some odd years that he lived on this planet. The father, son, and Holy Spirit. It's the whole, they're all one. One, in, we believe in this Trinity, this triune God, one God, but these different expressions, different understandings, different roles. You can call it a lot of different things. But the Holy Spirit is the interactive, real-time presence of God in our lives, and we have that at our disposal. But sometimes we don't participate, and that's a shame. And I want to make a case this morning that we can and should. We can't unlock the mystery of God. This preacher is never going to try to do that. But what we can do is demystify how it is that we connect It isn't so much a mystery how we connect with this mysterious God. Because God's God on that end of the transaction. On this end of the transaction, there are things that we can do to unlock that power and have the power of God in our lives, to open our lives up, not to limit it, but to make our lives bigger. Jesus was the very wisdom of God. The beginning of John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, the logos, the thought, the very wisdom of God. And and he was with God and was God. Jesus was the very wisdom of God. And he promised us, whenever he left this planet, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be that presence, that presence of wisdom that we can be a part of and can be a part of us every day. Let me read from John chapter 16. This was Jesus talking to his disciples just before his arrest, the night before his, resur- uh, his, um, his crucifixion. Here's what he said. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all 
the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you, and that belongs to the Father, and all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So we have, we have all this wisdom of all eternity in God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, this interactive real-time presence of God, can make known to us if we will, if we will but pay attention. And so there are two words that I want to offer for a minute this morning, just very simply, to help us understand, okay, how is it? That sounds great, preacher, wonderful. How in the world do I make that part of my life? Because I've always thought of the Holy Spirit is kind of like, ooh, you know, Twilight Zone. Ooh, I don't know, I don't know. And certainly it is mystery. But it's not a mystery how we have the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us live this bigger kingdom-oriented life. And, that, and I want to offer two words this morning. We, it's through intention and it's through attention. As simple as that. Now, let's talk about intention for a minute. Where do we intend to get our information? If we intend to only get it from the internet or the person down the street or whatever, then, then that's where our wisdom will come from, if that's our intention. And there are certainly good places where we can get good knowledge from the inter internet. But there is a place where we can get the knowledge that created the universe, that can create all sorts of possibilities in our life if we go there. It requires intention. And let me read a passage of Scripture. This is from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 12. This is, the, this is all part of the story of David, King David. We remember that, that uh, killed Goliath with a slingshot, uh, had an affair, arranged to have the person he had an affair with's husband killed to try to cover it up, and then went on uh, to, to be a man that God said was after his own heart. God was able to redeem him from his faults and failures, and he was a great king of Israel. But now, as the Old Testament likes to say, he sleeps with the fathers. Uh, Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. David slept with his fathers. And, and I'm sorry, it's, I watched The Godfather the other night and it, it may come out again. I, I hope not. Um, but David is dead and his son Solomon now has, has taken the throne as the king of Israel. And he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and he, was, he was very young. And so, so here's what happened. Let me read from this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given me a son and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart. There's the intention. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And he gave him his request and gave him this great wisdom. 
This whole thing begins with the intention of wanting to hear from God, of wanting God to step into our life and help us with the things that we don't know how to do, to help us with these insecurities we have. God is ready to do that. Now, in the Old Testament, God worked on, the Holy Spirit kind of worked on an an as-needed basis. Now, we know that every Christian, everyone who claims faith in Christ, has the power of the Holy Spirit resident within them. Question is, do we have the intention of listening? Solomon did, and there's this great story of uh, later on, there were these two women, they were roommates, and they each had a child, a, boy, a male child, infant. And one of the women, in the middle of the night, rolled over on their child and smothered him, and he died. And so she went into her roommate's room and got her child. And the next morning, the woman said, oh, your child has died, this is mine, it's alive. And the, the, real, the child's real mother said, no, 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 that's my child. And the woman said, no, this is my child. So we'll go to King Solomon to decide. So they go, if you've ever heard this, it's a great story. It's a story. They go to King Solomon, and King Solomon hears them out. And he says, well, I'll tell you what we'll do to decide who the real mom is. Uh, let's do this. Just somebody bring me a sword, and let's cut the baby in half, and one can have one half and one can have the other. And, of course, the natural mom screams, no, 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 she can have him. And Solomon knew immediately who the real mom was. That's the kind of wisdom that God imparts. It's, it's the wisdom to do the right thing. God will always give us wisdom to make good choices on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of others and to do the right thing if we have the intention of even going to him. Wisdom begins with God and ends up in us if we ask. The Holy Spirit won't come in slinging his elbows and going, all right, slapping us around. You got to do this. You got to do that. Sometimes I wish that's the way it worked. We still have the opportunity to decide that the Spirit is right there, ready to help us with all those decisions down the way, if we have the intention. And that, and that, can, that can be important to us on a moment-by-moment basis as we live our lives at school, at work, in retirement, at the gym, on vacation, wherever we are, we have that opportunity to listen and to see what God might have to say to us in any number of situations, big and small, because God wants to be a part of all those decisions. So there's, we have to have the intention, and then we have to pay attention to what God is telling us because we can sometimes get those nudges and you've probably had them I've had too of things that I I knew this was the right thing to do I knew it was the right thing to say I just didn't because it seemed like it was going to be inconvenient in the moment or it was going to make me uncomfortable or whatever and it always turns out that I was wrong in not following through in first Corinthians chapter 2 Paul speaking Uh, to his church at Corinth. And they were very conflicted, and they were dealing with this disconnect between the wisdom of Greco-Roman. Yeah, the Greco-Roman culture and the Roman government, they wanted you to worship Caesar. They thought worship, you could worship any little god or little g-god or goddess you wanted to. Sometimes that worship was pretty raucous and and quite frankly bad. Um, But that was the wisdom of the day. And the wisdom that Paul was trying to impart from God was in conflict with that much of the time. 
So Paul said to them, what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So in the midst of of all these competing bodies of wisdom that we can listen to, Paul is saying we have the spirit of God. Now, we need to pay attention and we need to follow what God says and not what the world says. Most of us have GPS now because it's on our phone. Um, And I remember the first time I ever went to the Gulf, drove down to the Gulf of Mexico, I had directions, really good directions, detailed directions. But someone had told me, nah, there's a better way to go. And they had given me alternate directions. And so I used those alternate directions the first time down and wound up going over the wrong bridge and wound up 20 miles away from the, the condo where we were heading. And, I, and it cost us an extra hour of time because I didn't follow the clear directions that were there in front of us. And now, if you just follow those step-by-step directions, they will take you. Now, we can't often see where they're taking us. And sometimes GPS directions can seem, can seem counterintuitive. And we think, well, shouldn't we go in this way? And the directions are saying, turn this way. And this, this is the same thing that happens with the Spirit. See, with our GPS, we can pull that list of directions down and see where they all, and look at all of them at once. We can even push that map, click on that map, and we can see this overview. You go that overview of your route, and it will show you you can take this route, and it takes this long. You can take this route up here, which is longer but doesn't have any tolls, and we can decide. So we don't get that benefit living our lives But God does. See, God's looking down and he sees all these potential routes. And a lot of people will take those other routes for different reasons. But God is saying, here's the the best route for you to take. But sometimes we listen to the wrong people. We take the wrong route. Sometimes we don't even get where we want to go. And maybe it just takes a lot longer. But if we will pay attention And I believe the Spirit operates in our lives much like a GPS. You know what I hear from the Holy Spirit a lot? Make a U-turn, U-turn, recalculating, recalculating, U-turn. I get that a lot from the Holy Spirit. But that's okay. I'm glad. I try to pay attention and I try to recalculate uh, as, as, as need be. And here's something that's important to remember. The Holy Spirit won't make us, but his power will enable us. The Spirit will never make you do anything, but the Spirit will give you the power to do everything if it's within the will of God. And that's going back to to Solomon. Solomon was trying to achieve justice with those two women. God says, if you're seeking justice and you're seeking fairness and you're seeking the good of others, I will always give you good advice. But it's hard sometimes. You know, sometimes the wisdom of the world is very powerful. Back during COVID, whenever we weren't, you know, they closed our churches and we didn't know what to do. Conventional wisdom, the wisdom of the world would say, pull back, pull back. You may have to get rid of some people. You may have to get rid of some ministries. You need to pull back. But that seemed wrong to us. And we prayed, the pastors, staff, we prayed individually. We prayed together. We thought, long and hard about what, what does God want us to do? It can't be God's will for a church to die. 
So what are we going to do? So we started listening and paying attention. And we started hearing that, no, no, you need, you need to hire people because you need to spend a quarter of a million dollars on digital infrastructure. And then you need to hire new people for new positions. And trust me that this is all going to work out. But this is what you need to do. This is wisdom. I believe truly was wisdom from heaven that came to us via the power of the Holy Spirit because we had the intention of listening and he had our attention as we tried all these different things. And it's all to the glory of God and not any to us. But it's the reason we've been able to continue to not just survive, but thrive all through this. And many other churches have had the same experiences. But not all churches. You gotta ha- you ha- There's this point where the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world are going to intersect. And that often leads to an uncomfortable place. Most supremely, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of heaven intersected at the cross. And that was where God said, I'm going to prove once and for all that the wisdom of the world is not more powerful than the power of the wisdom of heaven And at that moment, Jesus died on a cross at the intersection of the world's wisdom and heavenly wisdom and changed the future then for everyone. And even in our lives, to a much lesser extent, we're always going to see those opportunities. And sometimes they're uncomfortable. Back in the 60s, the wisdom of the world was African-American people drink from different fountains. African-American people swim in different swimming pools. You go to different schools. You stay in different hotels. You can't eat at the lunch counter. We'll give you some food around back. That was the, that was the way the world operated. That was the wisdom of the world. But then this... This audacious man named Martin Luther King Jr., I believe, represented the wisdom of heaven, which always seeks justice and always seeks equality and always seeks good for all people. And in him, and he wasn't a perfect man, and I'm not saying that he was, but his intention was to listen for God and to allow the wisdom of heaven to intersect with the wisdom of the world. He got caught in the crossfire. To a lesser extent, we sometimes can face that same issue of getting caught in the crossfire in our own lives, and it can be difficult, and it can be hard to follow that wisdom of heaven when we're getting crossways with the wisdom of the world. And people may look at us funny, and people may tell us we're naive. People may tell us we're crazy. You're going to dump 40,000 pounds of sweet potatoes in your parking lot and expect people to come out in 30-degree weather with it spitting snow and sleet to bag them up and giving them and give it to people they don't know who should be out there working for a living for their sweet potatoes. That's the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of heaven says, nope, come on out in the parking lot, bundle up. And we did. And you know, it, Saturday morning, I was not here Friday evening for that one. I was here Saturday morning. And, and, and I see some of you who were here too. And you know what I saw? What I saw, I didn't see people uncomfortable. I saw some runny noses, but I saw a lot of smiles as people found themselves in that flow of the wisdom of heaven. 
going against the wisdom of the world. It was almost like, hey, world, check this out. Yeah, it's cold, but I got on two pairs of pants, and I'm, I'm ready. I paid attention to the Spirit. And 30, I think I heard 36 different feeding agencies picked up bags of potatoes in 12 different counties, something like that. And that's going to continue on tomorrow, too, with all these, today and tomorrow with all these other ministries. Wisdom is going to lead us somewhere. What you know will determine where you go in your life. There is wisdom out there that will limit life and hem us in. And there's wisdom that will open life up to incredible opportunities. My prayer is that we follow the wisdom of heaven. And you know where the number one place is to get it? Here, I'm going to give you, this is my pop-up ad. Here's how to find the wisdom of God anytime you want it on an as-need basis. It's in your Bible. The Bible The Bible is the word of God, and every time we open it and we ask, we have the intention, try this. I dare you. I dare you to open a Bible and say, Lord, I need your help. I need the power of your spirit to help me understand this passage. How many times, I'm going to have a show of hands, but I'll bet there are people in here today that have read passages of Scripture before, and you've read them 25 times, and you go to read it that 26th time, and you think, I I never realized it said that. Well, the Bible hasn't changed. That's the Holy Spirit going, hey, 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 think about it this way. That's what's, I promise you, that's what's happening. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wrote that book through human beings just like you and me. And the Holy Spirit will interpret that book to human beings like you and me. And that's one of the chief ways the Holy Spirit imparts the wisdom of heaven to folks like you and me. And there are other ways as well. That's a really good place to start. My prayer is that we will seek. Our intention will be to seek the voice of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is mysterious, but it's no great mystery how we hear it. We have the intention to hear it, and we pay attention when we hear those voices. And it's most likely, if it's leading to to good, if it's leading to righteousness, if it's leading to equality, if it's leading to justice, if it's leading to a good thing in ways big and small, it's the voice of God directing you, recalculating your course. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that we know is here in this room. And I pray, O God, that your Holy Spirit would untangle my words so that your deeper meaning will infiltrate the barriers we put up, Lord. Just, we give you permission to come crashing through And interpret, O God, not only your word, but interpret our lives for us that we may see them through your eyes. We may see that that bigger picture, that we may see the whole route. Just get a glimpse of it and understand where you're taking us. And we'll trust you turn by turn, moment by moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to 
podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.